Hello again, this is Josh Carr with Real Angle, and uh, today uh, we're going to be talking with Laura Rappaport at, at uh, Northbridge. Uh, Laura, how are you doing today? Great. Thank you for having me. Cool, cool. So one thing I always like to start with, just because if I don't, everybody immediately asks because the internet needs to know. Uh, so that's NorthbridgeOps.com, NorthbridgeOps.com. Uh, that's their website. I always like to get that out at the beginning because invariably someone always asks. So um, let's talk a little bit about Northbridge. Uh, so let's start with the basic stuff. Uh, where are you based? What do you do there? Ooh, thank you. So uh, I'm the CEO of Northbridge. We are a women-owned uh, national CPACE lender and servicer. We are active in every major market, but we sit in New York City. And we have a team of people who all come from the institutional real estate world. So we have been everything from borrower, lender, lease space, bought space, sold it, refined in the middle of construction, <laughs> put projects on hold, value engineered, we've seen it all. And uh, with that, I also come to it from the sustainability world, having used sustainability um, as part of many of the projects we've done. So Northbridge is really sitting at the intersection of real estate and sustainability and, and CPACE is our first product. So, yeah, so you've, you've said the magic word, which I think we got to talk a little bit about because the, uh, the, the, the uh, knowledge penetration on what CPACE is, frankly, just isn't there. So what, what is CPACE? Getting there. It's getting, it's, it's, I know it's getting there, but we're not, we're not there yet. No. We're not there yet. And no. it's a, so what is CPACE? And then we'll talk about state by state also why it's not there, but what is CPACE financing? And, and I'm not offended when people say, I don't know what CPACE is. And I say, I know you don't, you haven't used it likely. Uh, and, and let's talk about what it is. Let's start at the 30,000 feet, go into the weeds. So you right. can't know be, be responsible for knowing something you never heard about used before. And in my, my mind, the, the worst question you can ask is the one that you don't ask. And so it's it's important to, to ask the why and what is it and how can it be used? It's been around actually surprisingly for people since 2008, but between 08 and 2020. So for the first 12 years, there was $2 billion of deals done over 2,500 deals. It was a very small scale. And it really started to incentivize people to put um, more sustainable measures into their building, have an industrial building and add solar. And the idea was that the cost of the financing over the useful life of the improvement would be cheaper than the savings that you achieve. But as you and I well know, when you put geothermal plant or you add in new elevators or you put new windows or add solar, the upfront cost is, is pro can be cost prohibitive. And you want, even though it's the right thing to do. And many times now there's laws coming into place telling you what you have to do. You have to do it, right. But, uh, and, or your investors want it. Uh, sometimes it just doesn't, it just hasn't penciled. And so what I think is so interesting about PACE is it becomes a product that can actually make these sustainable elements work. But sustainability in the institutional world is a very, very foreign concept to most. I think people are now having ESG mandates and they don't know what it means. But um, another conversation or later in the conversation, but back to PACE, PACE is a form of long-term fixed rate financing. It is a fully amortizing piece of paper and pays for energy efficiency, water efficiency, seismic resiliency improvements. And what that means in, in layman's terms is you're building envelope, curtain wall, windows, doors, and roofs to all of your building systems. 
as well as elevators, escalators, and renewables. When I first heard about PACE, I thought, well, I am very pro sustainability and making buildings better. But as I look around New York City, what on earth would qualify? And I was actually shocked that, and we can talk state by state, what actually counted. Because in most places, if you build to code or you're building an institutional quality building, you don't have to be passive house. You do not have to be net zero. We fully right. encourage you to do that. I mean, we think that's fantastic. But, right, but you don't if have you've to. actually built an institutional quality building, you are PACE eligible without even realizing it half the time. And, and mechanically, so, as far as the debt goes, it's basically sitting essentially in front of the first mortgage. Right? So let's talk about that. So yeah. yes and no. So okay. PACE, you know, this all sounds great. I have all these improvements. We will be, we paid out, we are an assessment. We're not a mortgage. And we are paid out through an increase in real estate taxes. So if your taxes were $4 million before and your PACE payment is a million dollars, your new tax bill is $5 million. It's a non-ad valorem tax. It does not impact your ability to contest your taxes. It does not impact your value. And it can be taken out at any point in time. So there's a couple kind of key things that people are get confused about. One, PACE is fully amortizing over the term, over the 25 or 30 year term, which is the useful life of the instrument. However, it can be taken off at any point in time. It is fully prepayable from the moment I disperse the funds. Okay. It is all private credit. So depending on who your lender is and how it's structured, there may be some form of call protection or yield maintenance, depending on the duration. But you have the flexibility as borrower or lender to take the pace off at any point in time. It is fully transferable. We do not have the rights to say you can sell to this person, you can lease to this person, you can you know, take capital from this person. It is fully transferable. And so it is at the option of the borrower or lender to keep the pace on or off. Right. So unlike a mortgage, which has to be paid on sale. So mechanically. And then lastly, it can yeah. never, ever accelerate. So when you say we sit in front of, that's the, I think, probably the most important point that okay. people who even think they know about pace, but maybe haven't done, don't realize or fail to remember because we say, oh, it sits ahead. And that's probably the more conservative view that you have this, you know, $40 million lien sitting on your property. But in no scenario can I ever accelerate, but I can always be taken off. And so that's where we're different from a first mortgage or for a ground lease. We can't ever accelerate. The only amount that sits senior to the first mortgage or the MES or anyone in that in the stack is the amount that's due. Now, there's three phases to PACE. You can accrue, which I think is really kind of neat structurally for this market. You can accrue for, let's say, two years. We will prepay our interest into escrow at close. And there's nothing due at that point in time. There's nothing that primes the first mortgage, but you can always take us out. Then we can go to an elongated IO period, two years, five years, eight years. And at that point, only the interest payments sit senior to the first mortgage. Again, the outstanding principal balance still passive. And then we will go into amortization. So what is a 25-year fully amortizing piece of paper can actually now be structured as two years of accrual, okay. eight years of IO, and hyperam 15 years the back end. But what I've done is I've created a synthetic 10-year accrual fixed rate IO instrument that's not available in the market now. And we're fixed from inception. So it's becoming, before we get into all the ESG benefits, as a capital markets tool, it's highly, highly accretive now. From a structural standpoint, a lot of people get very confused, don't know where we sit, 
top of the stack, bottom of the stack, who are you? What do you want from me? What are you taking from me? What rights do you have? The answer is none. And from a um, from a structuring standpoint, the other thing that's really interesting in this market is it can be used on a go forward basis. It can be used for new construction, renovations on a go forward basis. But where we're seeing a tremendous amount of interest in the market is the retroactive look back. You essentially get reimbursed with looking back to two to three years from when you had TCO. Your TCO was at the end of you know, 2020. We can give you money today for money you previously spent. And so with that, once those dollars have been spent, they're fungible to the borrower. They but, can... but just, just to back up for a moment, yeah. just, just mechanically. So sure. a few basic questions just to get out of the way, because again, I realize that for a lot of people, this is very new. Please. So mechanically. Um, I borrow X amount of dollars to go pay for improvements, uh, insulation, solar, whatever it is. Now, the city essentially, then I'm paying my property taxes, I'm paying this extra assessment, the city, the municipality is collecting that money, then they're essentially sending that money to you, if you're the lender, essentially, to go pay what needs to be paid. And then essentially, it, as you said, it gets amortized over 25 years, and I understand that there could be complexities to it. You could, as you said, there could be an accrual period, there could be an interest-only period. We can structure it all kinds of interesting ways. I love the fact that it's transferable, because basically when I sell the property, it sort of rides along. Um, so here's or you can take me out. Or I could have the option, pay it you off. can have the asset free and clear or not. It's it's at your option. Depending I could do it. The new it owner is. could do it. We we have we have options. So here's one question that I've always been curious about. So I have to pay the city property taxes. I have to pay them this extra tax, if you will, this assessment, which flows to the lender. What happens if there's non-payment on the part of the borrower? What happens? Somebody wouldn't pay their taxes. What do you I know. Well, it happens, right? Yeah, so, yeah. I'm, so like I know with a mortgage, what yeah, happens, right? That. You have a lien. There's a foreclosure action, all that kind of normal stuff. Is it mechanically similar? Is it that there's a, is there a tax foreclosure? How does that how does that work mechanically? Great question. So basically, PACE is paid whenever real estate taxes are due. So twice a year in California, once a year in Pennsylvania or Florida. Four times in New Jersey, sure, different markets, different systems. We're not yet live in New Jersey, but yes, you get the idea. So right. with that, the payment sits like a bid tax on your tax bill as it's a non-ad valorem payment. In some jurisdictions, it's a separate um, bill altogether. But in short, if you don't pay, let's talk about that capitalized interest period, IO period, amortization. If you don't pay me during the capitalized interest period, there's nothing due. We have already paid myself. So you've already bought yourself a period of time. If in the IO period, and let's just put numbers to it. Let's say it's a, I don't know, a $15 million loan, and we're going to accrue for two years. So our total finance amounts call it 16 and a half. Rough dustus will pay 15, you know, a million five a year, just round sure, numbers. Sure, 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 sure. Twice a year. So let's just say your one sub-year payment, million five. In that time, in that period, as long as if you don't pay that, that will accrue at the local default tax interest rate. Okay. The the as long as that payment plus the tax default interest is not paid, it will then accrue for another year. Usually it's called two years before we could even start to enforce a tax lien foreclosure. That's our only- That's most jurisdictions, you get a couple of years to catch up afterwards. Yes. Sure. If at that point we haven't been paid our $3 million and whatever the default interest is, 
we can then enforce a tax lien foreclosure to recoup the outstanding dollars and interest, not the outstanding principal balance, but the money that was missed for a tax lien bit sale. However, at any point in time leading up to that, either the senior lender or equity or anyone else in the stack, because stacks are complicated these days, can pay us. And once we are paid, we go back to our regular scheduled programming of paid once a month. Right. There are some things structurally we can talk about that the lender can put in place to protect themselves. But really, at the end of the day, the reality is that the lender will likely pay us off, cram down the equity. Now, the question is, okay, well, we go to a bankruptcy or foreclosure. What happens to the payments? Well, as long as we're still being paid, we're silent on the sidelines and we let the lender step in to enforce the bankruptcy or foreclosure because for us, we're passive. We're real estate taxes. As long as our taxes are being paid, we're fine. You keep going. Sure. Nothing yeah, really And I think it also goes to talk about how we size these deals because we're not an 80% or 90% piece of debt. We are sized the lesser of three tests. The first is a 30% LTC or LTV, but who knows what V is these days, but call it LTC right. sure. um, structure. But the V actually, interestingly enough, is based on the appraised stabilized value. So that could be 25, 26. It's not saying, hey, I want to know what an office building is appraised for in November of 23. That's not ideal. Uh, right. The second is a 1.0 DSCR, sometimes a little bit higher, we call it 1.0 DSCR based on your stabilized NOI and your fully baked up service. We are not loan to own money. We do not want your property. And we want to make sure that you can pay your lender right. when you're stabilized. And because of this capitalized interest, we have the ability to give people time to stabilize. And then lastly is your 100% of your PACE eligible measures. Because in a market like New York City, far less will count than a place like California if you build you know, to code. Seismic resiliency, for example, counts. And we take the lesser of those three tests. So we're somewhere generally between, I mean, we're working on a deal now, sub 5% LTC but or LTV, but we're probably somewhere in that 20 to 30% of the stack. So we are not, while we can be a larger part of the stack than historically PACE had been, I started talking about the history of PACE, but, you know, we are not um, the largest piece of the stack. Although, now, with a lack of A notes and a lack of liquidity, Pace is now taking a larger piece, and we're looking at some projects. Right. Can... So, so just to dumb that down, I think as you're saying, I mean, as credit has become tighter and people need a way to get things funded, it starts to make more sense to say, well, gee, if I make this thing more energy efficient, now I can go finance some percentage of my project, whereas previously I might not have used your money for that basically right we're actually and the other thing that we're finding a lot of is to the, the retroactive nature we're actually just completed a deal we're doing another one right now uh the retroactive nature we're coming in for assets at or post tco so we actually just closed the largest hotel um cpace deal in california and the largest hotel cpace deal this year which was 50 million dollars and it was alongside two debt funds to take out the senior and MES construction financing. The asset opened at the end of 21, lead gold building, and the financing was due. And so we came alongside a senior in MES to take out the pace. And because of the retroactive nature, 100% of our dollars could be dispersed at close to the borrower to pay down. Because all the work has been done already. Exactly. So 
Exactly. Now, now, silly question. Why wouldn't they have come to you before they started the project? Is it just they wouldn't have thought of it back then? Because they may have. Um, they may have. And I look, the project was completed in 21. So when they were working on building the project, there was a lot more money in the system. Right. So they didn't have to think about using, lack of a better word, an exotic product. Or... It was new. There was so much money. And I think that was one of that's one of the reasons why a lot of people haven't dealt with pace. It was mispriced for a long time. It was at call it L plus 500 when you can get all in financing sub three for 80 yeah. percent. Yeah, and if anyway. it was, you know, small dollars, it's not worth, it wasn't worth it for the institutional group. Fast forward in a post-SVB world and no capital markets movement and all of these new regulations on banks, people are saying, okay, what is this pace thing you're doing and how can I use it? Where Where is it most effective? Can this be an accretive part of my stack? And I think we've seen a wholesale change in the size and scale of how people are thinking of using PACE today. So that's so, part of it. So this shifts it to another part thing I wanted to ask you, which is how are you, because because you, you've got a product which is before was more of an exotic, if you will, it's getting to be more used by people. Yeah. How are they finding you? How are you finding them? I mean, because you're, you're not a bank, right? So how are you actually finding borrowers? How are borrowers finding you? Uh, relationships. All of our deals have been through relationships. We work with brokers. We work with lawyers. We work with borrowers and sure. and lenders. Frankly, some lenders have said to us lately, "Hey, wait, let's. Our pricing is going to be too expensive, but mixed with you, actually, we can get our proceeds out and the pricing, and that's attractive to a borrower." So I think that as more deals are getting done, as P banks realize, because there's lender consent has actually been one of the biggest reasons why people have not used PACE to date. Lenders need to consent, uh, lenders, other lenders in the stack. The right, because you're, you're part of the, you're ahead of that, you're ahead of right. that. We, we are an assessment, right. we are a lien, and we require lender consent as part of our application, a part of our ability to put PACE on a property and it transfers with the property, we require the lender to consent to our being there. And the lender consent documents can be from, you know, four pages to 50. It just depends on who the lender is and, and how complicated the transaction. But all that said, and it's not intercreditor, all that said, a lot of lenders didn't know about it, just said, no, we don't do it. We just don't. Sure, because it's non-standard. appropriate. We just don't. In, in the real estate. No one took the yeah. time to learn about it. And so I think it's part of that, the use case now has changed where brokers are saying, actually, instead of let me fill the stack and see if there's space and I'll bring you in at the end. Hey, the only way this deal is going to get done is if there's pace and all the lenders vying for this also know that. So let's see how much you can do. Give me a term sheet and then I'm going to go out to the market. Or if you have your favorite bank, bring them in because at this point, certainty of execution is the what wins these days it's not about fighting for a basis point it's about proceeds right. it's about getting it done no and your point about aggravation factor for lenders is well taken i mean and i get it they want a standard product i mean i don't know if it's still the policy but for years and i just know this because of a family uh, matter uh fanny may had a policy that if the town line cut through your house fanny just wouldn't fund it because fanny was just like it's too annoying that your house is legally in two towns because then we got two property tax bills. So we just don't want to deal with it. Yes. And 
you'd say, but but why? They'd be like, because we just don't want to. Like it's it's irritating. Because because it does because the then we'll way. send the wrong amount of money to the wrong town, and then we'll have to go get the money back, and we just we're Fannie Mae. We don't want to worry about this. And, and yeah, it's funny you bring up Fannie. So Fannie will not allow pace. Freddie okay. will. It has guidance. It hasn't done one yet, but they're really trying to work to see how it would work. And that's also again part of the takeout, but I think as the pace market has evolved, the pace market now used to be, you know, very rigid prepay, very rigid structures. And as more entrants, or I can only speak to, you know, to Northbridge and we have, you know, different types of capital for different types of deals, the structures are very flexible. And so we can actually create situations where we can come on as bridge financing. We can come on as longer term financing. We can structure it in a way that will work if we're taken out on the construction loan at, you know, takeout or or not. But the Fannie Freddie, you know, it just in terms of that agency not accepting no, it's, 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 it's in a problem. Sure. And and, problem. and I'm sure Fannie will eventually get around to it because they will, but they'll Well, also the thing it. that's ridiculous about this is the is Fannie and Freddie will allow Melarus bonds and it's also allowed in CMBS. C-PACE is the same thing as a Melarus bond that's been around for 25 years. You want to explain what a Melarus bond is just because? Yeah, a Melarus bond is a type of financing that was very popular in California. I give Mitch Clarfield credit for this one out of, in California. It's like, this is the same thing. The, the Melarus bond is a type of financing that was to incentivize people for you know district improvements. And the same idea as with PACE, and it would be on assessment. Pace is, and the idea is that you put the assessment on. You'll hear the term public-private partnership, which gets people really scared. I've done public-private partnerships. This is not that type of public-private. Right. This is this is this is. And and it's all private like... credit. The public right. side, because you no know, people are like, oh, this sounds interesting, but I don't want the New York City, you know, economic development. Right, right. But you're involved. not, but you're not it's involved in public. It's none of that. So I also want to clear the air on that. Sure. When people say public-private, it's each state option and each local municipality option to allow you to actually have an assessment on your property. After that, it's all private credit. Sure. And there are certain guidelines by state as to what you can and cannot do, but it is not them saying, I'm going to, and there's no ongoing tests either. I think that's a really important point. There's also no mortgage recording tests. So it's not something where people have the local government looking over their shoulder. And I think that's one of the, when people say public private and the government's actively involved in the project, this is all of the capital is private credit. We different, we'll have different guidelines in terms of how we're underwriting our deal versus a another pace lender. Um, there's certain guidelines that are required by the state of what you can and cannot do that's quote unquote eligible. And states are starting to continually revise and revisit and improve their programs as the product becomes much more mainstream. Right. But it's the the idea of this, the whole idea of PACE is that you can put it on your tax bill as an assessment because you're creating a benefit for the people in the building. That's the, and so that's the same idea as a Mellow Respond, which well, is a lot in CMBS, PACE is not. Well, and historically it's and now will be. I also say it's interesting in that, you know, as opposed to most financing structures, considering the whole point of these financing structures is to put in improvements that make buildings more economically viable, right? I mean, lower expenses generally, that's kind of the whole idea, right? Um, as opposed to most financing vehicles where you're just financing the project, this is financing something that in theory makes money. So, you know, if anything, it's making the project better. 
uh, which I find. Yeah, I mean, I think you pick up on a really good point. A lot of people focus on pace about it just being a very effective capital markets tool, which it is. Sure. However, the improvements you're putting in actually have an economic benefit for the savings you're going to achieve because you're going to be putting in more efficient systems. You're going to be lowering your operating expenses. By the way, you might not be paying a fine because you're now complying with a local law 97 or Birdo or there's 20 cities and growing. City by city, they pretty have these requirements. Or, right. And, you know, you can quantify and market the sustainable benefits that you have put in retroactively or are putting in or both. We're doing some projects where it's both that actually are meaningful now to lenders for their ESG checklists, for borrowers, for their investors. And now tenants are seeking it out. And we have more and more borrowers saying, my gosh, and I've leased space before. No one ever cared about our ESG checklist. Now tenants are coming and saying, show me all of the ESG features in your building because it comes binary. If you have the features, the tenant can move into your building. Right. If you do not, sometimes they just can't because they cannot as a multinational corporation be associated with a building that's having fines or doesn't have certain levels of reporting or sustainable benefits. It's part of their whole, right, which gets into a broader conversation about society and sort of yeah. meeting places. there's been a shift no so, there ha and there, there has been a shift there definitely has been a shift culturally so a couple other questions just to throw it out there so structure wise are you guys so northbridge are you are you a fund like how are you where's the money question. coming from we are not a fund we have multiple institutional capital sources that range from insurance companies that buy directly for their balance sheet to asset managers that have insurance um, mandates and okay. can sell, you know, take something down and sell to one or multiple insurance mandates. We've seen somebody do three, four, one. It just depends on what their allocation is. And then lastly, also groups who have open-ended vehicles and a combination of insurance and open-ended vehicles. So for us, depending on the opportunity, we match the right capital with the opportunity because people's go goalposts are shifting right now. Um, but for us, we focus on north of what I call the large pace space, the north of $10 million of pace and greater, you know, anything. They're right, just which considering the loan to cost, it could be relatively small. $10 million of pace financing is actually a pretty decent sized project. Or it could be really small. I mean, we have deals that are, you know, $100 million that are less than 30% or 20% of cost because it, it, there's no reason on a billion dollar deal you couldn't do 250 of pace. Sure. the right project sure. or more and so it can also be across portfolios as well it can be used as seller financing to purchase notes there's a whole use case of loans ultimately it's the it goes the amount goes on the asset so it could be a portfolio it could be 50 million dollars of pace across three assets 20 20 10. it just depends on what we're and it transfers with the property so it's just out making sure there's enough allocation on each asset it could be one asset that's worth $200 million that has, you know, four different condo units to it. And we allocate commercial condos, you know, we allocate to three of the five, it just, or four, right. it just depends. It's all about structure. And it's, I think it's very flexible as a product in terms of how you have, and we, I think that's what people find most surprising that it's incredibly flexible, highly structured. And we're in the early days of really pushing the envelope of what the art of possible I started my career at Lehman in their European CMBS group. I did securitization number two. 
And I think where we are in the PACE world is very akin to where CMBS was in the early 2000s in Europe. CMBS had been around for a while, but it really wasn't a highly used tool in Europe. People were dubious of a new product. There was a lack of liquidity. And suddenly they realized it was not as terrible. You could sell your asset. It was structured. Right. And then they figured out. And now, ironically, PACE is taking off because of the lack of CMBS in the market now, because we don't have that efficient recycling of capital to take out these transitional loans or, you know, to 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 pay for portfolios. I mean, there's just a lack of of efficient capital markets. And so I think it's the same thing here. PACE has been around for a long time. And has been gaining, you know, triple digit increases year over year for the last three. Um, so it, it's just the use case is now front and center because the cost of capital is so much cheaper than anything else there. It's fixed in a highly volatile environment. And it can be used on a whole use of things, not even getting into the whole ESG benefits, which we think is great to incentivize someone to put in that, that to put in heat pumps over PTAC units. Sure, I've spent sure, years sure, sure. value engineering that in projects. Well, and it's funny you mentioned that because, I mean, as far as some of the technologies and just sort of people understanding things, because the fact that you mentioned PTAC versus heat pump, um, I have a colleague of mine, I've done multifamily deals for years, and uh, my uh, business partner of mine, keeps referring to everything as a PTAC unit. And I keep having to be like, no, 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 that's a heat pump. And he's like, what the, what's the difference? And I think I've explained the difference between PTAC and heat pump to him now like five times. Yeah. And I and I keep doing it because he keeps asking, but I'm on the sixth time I am going to get rude, you know? Cause like at a certain point, I'm like, you're just not listening at this point, yeah. you know? But- Take him um, on a property tour and you can show him, you know, in the wall versus through wall. No, and I've done that. And I've done that. I've been like, this is through the wall. This is hanging on the side of the building. I pointed at things. Yeah. It's just not the switch in his brain isn't flipping. My point is that these are new things and we are creatures of habit because of course we are. And the longer you're in an industry, the more you're a creature of habit. And it takes time for people to understand that, yeah, this actually works and it's viable and it's a real concept. How many states is CPACE currently authorized in, realizing, of course, the cities still have to sign off on it? Yeah, and I mean, authorized is interesting. because, So, for example, Georgia, at the only place you can do it in Georgia is Atlanta, but not outside of Atlanta. So then right, you so want, the I would state say law enabled it. The state law enabled CPACE it. CPACE enabled is 38. And, you know, on our website, if anyone ever needs to check, is it just go to our website. We have a map that we keep updated of where it's actionable but even then within a state there are some places where tampa for example in florida not actionable we've done the largest c-pace deal to date in florida uh, and we would love to do more in tampa but tampa's not actual miami date is so great uh you know and i think it will grow it's not people ask okay well what about the backlash against csg in some of these republican states texas is one of the biggest states that's that that uses pace and same thing with florida so it's not Again, I think it's not about having to be passive house and net neutral. If you're an institutional investor, you're going to build to a lead gold standard likely or put elements in that are. And if you're an owner operator, you're going to want to replace your windows and your HVAC because it's savings for you. Well, and, and well that's that are building. Yeah. Those things also can count. So people say, well, gosh, I don't think I'm doing enough. And I'm like, well, if you upgraded your windows, your HVAC and your elevators, oh, of course I would do that. And then that all of those hard and soft costs 
PACE eligible. And while we're at it, to your point earlier, there's some really cool technology we can add in. Would you like to learn about this? Or do you want chargers and, and right. chargers and, and solar? There are ways for you to now leverage this product, whether now or in the future, to enhance your building, to make it attractive, to get the tenants in place, to keep the tenants in place. Right. To get more tenants who want to pay more money for higher quality space. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's funny. Yeah, I mean, you briefly, you know, not to get deep into politics, but it is amusing that whenever you mention anything that's, you know, ESG related, it immediately becomes a political conversation because the way our nation is right now. But like, at the end of the day, everyone likes to save money. I mean, 100%. so if you can insulate the building and lower your expenses, I don't really think of that as a Democrat Republican thing. I think of that as a I want to save money thing. Balance sheet. I want to be in the black, not okay. red. So exactly. let's save some, some dollars. Your yeah. accountant doesn't care. He just wants you to make more money. I mean, yeah. it's, it's pretty straightforward. So as far as the future of, of Pace, obviously it's growing, which is wonderful. Um, you know, it sounds to me, and I think I'm going to know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway, which is as things get back more to normal, because at some point the credit markets will start to function again the way we expect. Maybe we won't have dirt cheap money, but function. Yeah. Do you think we're over the hump, so to speak, where pace financing is now going to enter the mainstream? Or do you think that it kind of, like, do we have enough momentum now that it becomes a mainstream tool, I guess? Is yes, I, I it, this is the, this is my own personal view. Realizing your bias. Have, you yes. know, 18 to 24 months of really choppy waters. I think we haven't truly seen a lot of the credit crisis that we know that's looming. We've heard about this wall of CMBS. And I think we all thought that rates would probably come down a bit more or there would be more movement in the system. Right. And without that happening, and we're now, you know, staring 24 squarely in the face, there's going to need to, something's going to have to give. You and I, you know, we're talking the other day about there's somebody who gave their property back at 75% complete. It's a great deal. And sure. they just were over levered. And we're seeing things across the board where over levered, not because they were incorrect about taking the debt. They they were very prudent about their underwriting and they were very thoughtful about, but no one underwrote a SOFR going north of five, or maybe they didn't buy the cap at the time and they're getting stuck with a great asset. And so as somebody the other day said, you know, it's not the asset that's impaired, it's the capital markets, which is going to have a reverberation through that. So all that to say, I think there's a real opportunity with the stress that we haven't seen yet to continue to, I mean, we are drinking from a fire hose. We're actively hiring. We're seeing opportunities across the board from people, from everyone and anyone, because they, everyone needs money. And even the most well-capitalized groups are having a hard time getting some of the financing, not on every project, but enough that it's really making Pace front and center as a viable option for people to use. They think, oh, it's so hard. And then they actually learn it's actually, there's, there's nothing hard about it. There's very few documents that go with it. Our documents are very straightforward and we have no rights. And then they say, well, wait a minute, this is an opportunity for me. Maybe I don't want other lenders to learn this because this is a, this is another right, hour, this, hour this is... of my quiver. Sure, but sure, but sure. along those lines, I think therefore, you know, it will become larger, more widely used and more people use it. Pricing will go down as volume increases. And then when the markets come back, it's people are familiar with it and know about it. I was out in LA last week for ULI and meeting with someone. And I said, you know, he had been doing some homework on, on CPACE and 
he said, you know, oh, well, at this point, everyone knows what CPACE is. I'm thinking, well, that's not what I hear every day. Because some people say, what is this? And again, I have no problem starting with what CPACE stands for and how they can use it or where they shouldn't. Uh, But I thought that was such an interesting change. Um, Uh, Early in my career, I worked at a firm that did a lot of brownfield redevelopment. And which was... And at the time when I was working at the firm, the, the feds had just changed the rules to talk about you could put in, you know, liability protections for potential buyers. You could have prospective purchaser agreements with states. And that was all new law. And this was be the 90s. And, you know, it, it takes time. Like it was a cool concept, but it still took like a decade or so for the industry to be like, hey, you know, we can do this. We can actually buy contaminated sites and take them through the cleanup process. And these legal mechanisms are meaningful, et cetera, et cetera. It takes time. It takes time. It's it's an educational process. And that's unfortunately the role sometimes people have to be in. You end up being an educator, even though you weren't planning to be one. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind that. I think it's I think it's so interesting as a tool. And when I first learned about it, I was like, what is what is this? Sure, and sure, sure, sure. I asked the smartest people I knew and they were like, oh, I don't know. And having sat, I, I personally have done leasing, bought buildings, sold them, built them, refied, managed, owned. I've sat in all the seats. I'm thinking, gosh, this is such a cool tool that is so misunderstood and also mispriced for what it is. And there, I I saw the opportunity for tremendous runway and innovation and continuing to see as it evolves. What's exciting for myself and the team is just how we can use so many of the structures that already exist in commercial real estate and other parts of structured finance to apply it to this as a way to help unlock deals, to be that positive thing, more passive. I don't want to own these properties, uh, and but I want to help unlock them and I want to get the borrowers and lenders the correct execution and success. And that, And by the way, while we're at it, make each building that much more efficient one building at a time and then i feel like we will have done a good job no look this is all very positive so what i always like to ask just as one final question just to throw it out there uh you've worked on a number of cpace deals a number of other transactions i always like to ask uh if you have a if if you have any deals that uh things that didn't work out as expected and that could be for good or for bad i always like to ask people if they had anything go never happened to me before everything's been perfect i know you know it's funny i was saying to a colleague the other day i said something always comes up on every deal i know i know and it will change and that's okay because um issues don't kill deals surprises do and so we can get through issues we can think outside the box we will figure this out and we will learn from this one to be even better on the next one you know, I think that and every deal we've seen things that have been unexpected, even sure. non-CPACE deals. There's just always something that no matter how diligent you are, and I like to be very diligent as is the team, uh, there's something that will come up or the market changes. You know, the right. deal that some deals have taken a long time. And so where the, you know, 10 years started was at sub two. Yeah, I know. It it, went, the money uh, was free. I know. Four? And then, then last week it was at five again, and then coming yeah, down, real, you know, real that, numbers. That, that those are things that you know have have gone wrong. That we there are things out of our control. Uh, 
what we've been able to fortunately uh, accommodate, um, the deal that I'm referencing with the two, we didn't start with my tenure was a two, but right. um, it was a really long deal. But I think the, you know, I think that you learn from where things go wrong. You know, 425, for example, uh, a building I built um, over many, many years. We thought we were going to, we, we broke ground in May of 2015 and the assets now open and things take time and surprises come up and you kind of go with it. And again, I think I'm, I feel fortunate to have worked on some deals that have had problems that we've been able to get through because that's when you learned. That's when you learn. No, and it's well, it's well put. I mean, I, I've every deal I've ever worked on when a broker's marketing it, I always said to the broker early in the process, like, what, what do I need to know? Because like, there's always something weird. So when you tell me nothing's weird, I know you're lying. So just tell me, tell me what weird things you know about now, so we can just get it out of the way and we can move to the actual making a transaction happen. Well, it's also like in the market today when people say. I said, you know, how are things going? They're like, well, you know, I'm like, well, if you told me everything was great, I know you're lying. You're lying. Everybody, (laughs) everybody, everybody, no matter who you are, has a problem. It could be capital P, lowercase p. You might not even know what these problems are, but this isn't this. We are in unchartered territory and some deals will be totally fine and are well protected and are fine. But a lot of deals that otherwise even six, 12, 18 months ago would have been in a different state, just given where we are in the market and the cost of capital because of everything, you know, everything going on in the system, the reverberations through the system has really caused people to change, needing to put more money in. I mean, a broker said to me the other day, if you can get me to 65% leverage, like that's amazing. And I'm thinking, wow, that used to be like 80. That used to be the low end number. That used that to be was like, like oh, we family. only take sixty five percent left. It's not I like, know. hey, banks are capping out at fifty five percent, maybe sixty. But that's when we start to have that recourse conversation. I know, I know. It's, and, we're in a different world. We're in a different like, world. yeah, there. It's we're in a different world. I think that's 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 perfectly. We're in a different world, yeah. but we also have to kind of you know work with the stack of cards that we've been given right now and figure out how to kind of keep putting one foot in front of the other and hopefully make sound decisions that are the right decision now and hopefully also becomes the right decision later. Well, this has been excellent. I'm glad we got to talk about pace financing, get to talk a little bit about sort of the state of the credit markets and what have you. Um, I've definitely covered everything I wanted to cover. So I wanted to say thank you for your time. Thank you. This is all very positive. And again, for those of you who may have missed at the beginning, NorthbridgeOps.com. That's just NorthbridgeOps.com. And that has been Laura Rappaport, uh, Grand Poobah, if you will, of, uh, of Northbridge. I don't know about that, but thank you for having me. Uh, that's your new title. Thanks again and be well. Great. Bye.